You're listening to the Bahai World News Service. Now live local In this episode, Elisa Cooper, who works closely with a network of Baha'i-inspired organizations around the world, joins two young people serving at the Baha'i World Center to discuss how the Preparation for Social Action Program, a Baha'i educational initiative, is building capacity in communities to contribute to the well-being of their societies. Hello and welcome to this episode of In Conversation. I'm here at the Baha'i World Center. Uh, my name is Elisa Cooper. I'm with Karishma Nair from India and Alex Kalumba from Zambia. And we're going to be having a conversation about how Baha'i-inspired education efforts are contributing to advances in processes of community life around the world. Well, Karishma, I'll ask you to introduce yourself first. Hi, everyone. I'm Karishma Nair from Sikkim, India. I've had the opportunity to serve in the local level as well as national level with different uh, Baha'i educational activities. And Alex, can you share a bit about yourself? Um, hello everyone, I'm Alex Kalumba I'm from Zambia. Before I came to the Baha'i World Center, I was working with Ishindo Foundation, which spearheads Preparation for Social Action Program. conversation we're going to be thinking about how different educational efforts are contributing to the progress of communities. I've been working with a network of organizations that are learning about how young people are building their capacity to apply teachings from the Baha'i faith to the betterment of different uh, dimensions of community life. Thinking about agriculture, health, the promotion of education, environmental conservation, for example. And both of you have a lot of experience with seeing this in different communities. So one, one sort of principle or concept that is at the center of the efforts of the Preparation for Social Action Program is the oneness of humanity. This idea that every human being has something to contribute to building a better world and also has the right to benefit from this better world that we're striving to create. And so maybe we could hear from each of you about what you've seen in Zambia and in India. How have you seen this principle of the oneness of humanity find expression in the efforts that are, are being carried out in these two countries? So there's a village in India, in Uttar Pradesh, where the PSA program, Preparation for Social Action program, it's very strong out there. And the local institutions, local Baha'i institutions are very strong. The families, they collaborate with each other. Now they have started thinking about uh, not only about the spiritual development of their community that they're living in, but also the material development. And they have created different spaces, which has come up very naturally. One example of such spaces is where the farmers meet together. They discuss about how they can move more towards a sustainable agriculture, how they can better utilize their lands. They talk about how the quality of soil is very important because we know that there is the practice of using pesticides and all this chemical fertilizers, but we see in a long run that is very harmful for the environment and it also affects the nature of crops in long run. It 
enters the food chain and then it's harmful for our body. And it was very interesting for me to know that this conversation is actually facilitated by two youths who are part of that community and they have taken agricultural science as their subject in university, which is very rare to see that they are thinking about the community. They want to stay in the community. They want to help their community. So they come back during the weekend. They facilitate this gathering. So they bring in the theoretical knowledge that, that they learn in the university combined with the practical knowledge of these farmers and they're trying to look after how the future generation can benefit from the sustainable agriculture of that community. Oh, that's a really interesting story. I wonder, Krishna, if you can share a little bit about what is it that motivates these youth to dedicate themselves to improving agriculture and to, to tapping into the, the knowledge that the farmers have? Why are they going against these norms of pursuing engineering or becoming a doctor and choosing to, to study agricultural science and choosing to dedicate themselves to the well-being of the village? Yeah, mostly what we see is people, they migrate to the urban sectors because they want to pursue other careers. In a way, they think about themselves, which is also good, like everyone has to think about their own personal well-being and their families. But the higher purpose would be not only thinking about your own development or the development of your family, but also how you can also help your community. I think one motivation for these youths from this village is they not only think about themselves, but they render this selfless service towards their community. Whatever skill they have or whatever knowledge they have, they want that their community should also develop along with their own personal endeavors. I, th I think in the same line, the space first of all created in these educational endeavors allows participants to talk, to express themselves, to think deeply, not just about them, but also about others. You see this element in their friends that they, they have this thirst for knowledge, unquenchable thirst for knowledge, is one of the things that motivates them. They keep asking questions. They approach challenges, ideas in a scientific manner, meaning they ask questions, they consult among themselves. And I think it's also this vision of a better world that's then articulated in these educational materials that gives a sense of hope and motivation for people to take action. Um, if we don't believe our community can actually progress, why would we put our energy into to making it a better place? They're learning to see hope in their community. They're coming to see themselves as noble beings and they're thinking about what leads to their progress and they're thinking about that for their community too. Alex, have you seen a similar spirit in the efforts of the participants in, in the Preparation for Social Action program in Zambia? Oh, yes. There, there, there's been quite a lot of experiences that have been generated for the past five years. So one, one of the efforts that came out as a result of Preparation for Social Action program is the um, community schools participants who studied these materials, one of the things which they did was to identify challenges which their communities were facing. So this happened five years ago where we saw a group of young people, there were 13, 
through their consultation and interacting with the communities, they realize that education of young people was lacking and accessibility to government schools was very difficult because the setup of these communities was that government schools were far from the community where these activities were taking place. So local people had this challenge in just accessing those schools. So this was one of the challenges which these young people identified. So one of the things they started was to start initiating conversations with the mothers, with the fathers and local leaders about the needs of educating young people. Uh, these are the leaders of the future, so they need to be supported fully and make sure that education is accessible because it's a universal principle that everyone should be able to receive the best quality formal education. This, this was one of the efforts which these friends initiated. So it was one of the first community schools which was established as a result of preparation for social action. Out of the consultation they had, local agencies are the ones who propose a plot of land where a school can be established. And you see the fruits of these community schools is that when the schools are implemented by the locals, it gives a high sense of ownership. They take care of each other. They make sure they are the ones who identifies the teachers. They are the ones who set the curriculum and the standard of the school. So you see these efforts in line with the principles of the faith that is of universal education and consultation. It's so interesting. Alex is in Zambia and I come from India, but we do have this similar experiences. Like one thing I really liked what Alex shared was about the natural tendency of humans for improving the quality of education. So what Alex shared was like how the preparation for the social action program leading to the community school. We do also have such examples like it was it's more of informal structures, I would say. So one example that comes in my mind is from one of the northern states of India, Bihar. So there are this group of high school students who were part of this Baha'i educational program for a long time, which dates back around, I think, 2007. They were facing difficulty to have access to certain books because the library was very far. And they saw that, and especially like it's a rural area, very remote part of India, where it's, it's very difficult for the girls to, you know, have access to those kind of materials and go that far and have access to it. So they consulted amongst each other. They took this matter to their village head. They consulted with the uh, adults of that village. They uh, came up with a space in the village temple that can be used now. And then it was the village head who gave the first contribution. He gave some subscriptions to the magazines. And then there were other people who started contributing for the furnitures. Some of them contributed for the other books. And slowly it became a space where all these young people would come together. They would study. They would prepare for their exams. They would enhance the bonds of friendship. And then it was not about just helping them with just preparing for exams or just helping with their academic development, but it was increasing the bonds of friendship. They liked to come there because they felt that 
a true friendship was there. They felt that warmth. They felt that both girls and boys are treated equally in that space. Everyone has the opportunity for education. And then it became more systematic. And over the years, they also started being concerned for the youth and the children who are like younger than them. So we can see that they're ideas, the act of service started expanding. It led them to helping this other young people who were younger than them with their academic education. So this concept of tutorials came in and they started helping them with their academic education. Just to give an example of the concept of consultation and how consultation changes the structure and interaction among its people in the community. Um, one of the village, which is in central part of Zambia, called Liteta Village, one of the child, when it's time to submit their homework, he would always say, no, I was waiting for my father to come back. My father is not around. Then the teacher would always ask, well, how about your mother? Where is your mother? And the, this young child would say, no, actually, my mother said she couldn't, she can't do it. I have to wait for my father to come back. So the teacher started asking himself questions of how he could help this, this young person, this child, because the teacher realized that the mother could do something. So then the teacher consulted with other teachers. They decided to have a meeting with the mothers. So they extended the invitation to the mothers and at one point they discussed uh, much about the importance of children and mothers having interest in making sure that the mothers first of all supports the efforts of children. Now she's able to speak even in front of the family. She's able now to engage in conversation with the husband. Now they are taking initiative together. They're making decisions together. It's so wonderful how the idea of community schools just instills that sense of ownership and through the integration of scientific methods and also spiritual teachings, much, many people are also wanting to be part of this process. But there's this understanding that this process is about one getting transformed. As you walk this path, you develop the capacity and you can't develop these capacities in isolation you need participation of other people. And as you work together, you learn to transform yourself as well as you impact the lives of people. So it's about this dual transformation, the transformation of an individual and the society. Uh, so you see these uh, kind of concepts and teachings taking shape in these uh, communities. Uh, so I was wondering if you could just share a little bit more about what it was that was keeping these mothers back from being engaged in the education of their children? And what was it about the way that the teachers in the community school consulted with them that helped to remove obstacles so that they could become more active protagonists in promoting the education of their children? So the father is always the one who makes the decision. So that affects young people, especially girls. What helps with these programs, these educational imperatives, is that spaces are created 
where people can consult together and it raises a high level of consciousness for people to start thinking of ways they can develop together. That's very important. These collaborative efforts also helps people now to start opening up to realize that they have also capacity and they should trust also in the capacity of others. It's so interesting that the sense of community the sense of collaboration is exist existing because of the education endeavors that's happening in the communities. And I really love the example of the mother coming up and taking the ownership of the education of the children, which reminds me of another example. So not only the mothers are now uh, taking more and more responsibility for the education of their children, but also their health. So there is one uh, example from India in this a village in Uttar Pradesh where the more and more mothers are coming in this uh, spaces of groups of families and they are consulting together about various topics, sometimes about education like how Alex shared and also about the nutrition of their children. So there was one example where they were trying to explore on this topic of diversity in the diet. We have heard about diversity in many other concepts, like diversity in the human community or all that, but diversity in diet, like how important it is for the cognitive development of their children to give them like nutritious diet, how important it is to have this balanced diet. Because uh, one tendency nowadays, because everything is like ready-made, like we can have get everything, even if it's a village area, like slowly we are losing the the recipes and the of the home cooked meals which are very nutritious if you compare it with the other processed food so this mothers were consulting like like maybe like in a way the processed food is making us lazy we are because it's easily available we go out there and we just buy it bring it and pack it for our children but if we see the nutritive value is very low so they were just consulting among themselves, you know, what can we do? And then they were they came up with this idea, like, why don't we share the recipes that we have with each other? Like how that our children, because they're part of this one community, like how all our children get this proper nutrition and we can share recipes with each other. Or sometimes because these mothers, they live in a close proximity, then why don't we even share our food sometimes so that like we all our children get that proper nutrition so that they can understand they can have not only the moral development, academic development, but also cognitive development. And like slowly, like more and more mothers, they're coming together and these kind of spaces are facilitated by the women health promoters, which is like amongst them. In all of these examples, it's really striking to hear about people coming together to share knowledge. I wonder if you can share a little bit more about the role that knowledge is playing in helping these communities to find solutions and how these different sources of knowledge are coming together within a population to help them address the various concerns and questions that they have. 
I think this concept of knowledge is very cardinal in the human development. I think the experience of Kawe, which is found in the central part of Zambia, where Ishindo Foundation, the organization which is which spearheads preparation for social action programs, is, is found. So one of the things that they do, they try to complement the idea of study and service. Whenever they study something, another component that goes hand in hand with study is putting whatever they are learning into practice. So without that aspect, then we can keep on losing that knowledge. But also the idea of actually keeping track of what we've done, like documenting our learnings, is what contributes to this knowledge. There is also that understanding that, that knowledge cannot come from one person. Knowledge comes as a result of people coming together, they consult about something, and also they do it together. The result which they get, doesn't matter whether it is positive or negative, they come back together and just reflect about it. And it's from this power of reflection and uh, acting, studying together, these three elements that establishes a positive way of thinking. And that actually motivates people to do more. It motivates people to participate in these community building endeavors. It's not one person imposing the ideas to the whole community. Suddenly one person come one day and we have to do it. It's not like that. We like maybe based on our experience or may, maybe based on the situation that is in front of us, we all consult together, come together as a community, and then the knowledge is generated in that way. So that's a beautiful thing. That's such a, a nice articulation of the principles that are guiding like this network of Baha'i inspired organizations around the world. I think something that's very common in efforts to promote social and economic development is for one group of people to come up with a plan, a program, an idea, and then try to spread it to many other people. Or maybe in one place, there's something that's seen to be effective uh, at promoting the social and economic improvement of a community. And then all of a sudden, that's scaled up to an entire region or continent or the, the whole world. And we've seen the challenges that can come with this approach where maybe a, a plan or a program is imposed on a community that's not suited to, to that local community and where people aren't engaged in, in really thinking deeply about their own development. So all of the stories you're sharing, I think, show, they illustrate that this principle that's guiding all of the Baha'i-inspired organizations, that it's really a population, a, a group of people that traces their own path of development. But it's also not just in isolation from a global process of learning. They're tapping into this knowledge, like you said, through study, and then they're putting it into action in their own community. And as they do that, they generate knowledge that's relevant for their own population. I wonder if you have other examples that demonstrate how capacity is being built in communities to engage in this process of learning over time. So we've talked about the role of mothers, we talked about how farmers are engaged, how the young people are coming together, how the village leaders are helping the community more and more. But I was also thinking about there are people who due to some problems in their life, they might have gone to this dark side, maybe they are into addiction or Sometimes we 
tend to neglect them. Yeah. Oh my God, I don't want to speak with that person. I mean, like we do hear comments like, oh, this, he's a good for nothing. He's uh, spoiling everyone. But the thing is like how we were sharing that nobody can learn in isolation. If that person is affected, it's our responsibility to bring everyone together because it's not a competition that we live. We are not com com competing against each other. It's like in order to develop fully, everyone has to come together. And I r remember uh, one example from my hometown, Sikkim, where this group of friends, the friends from the local institutions, the friends who were helping with the educational endeavors, they actually approached one of the rehabs where a lot of young people were there who might be in schools due to their family problems or maybe like they didn't get moral education at the right time. But then they were trying to improve their lives in the rehab. But you, you, you tend to fall in those kind of dark pit when you don't have a purpose in your life. You feel that there's nothing left for me in this world. And then what should I do? And then you just want to forget by being in the substance abuse. And you just want to forget about this world. You don't have any uh, motivation to live the life but then it was very interesting to see how they were responding to this materials which this friends group of friends went with like where they were talking about the purpose of lives how we are a very important integral part of the society and then like how we can there is as human beings we have higher purpose of life god has made us with like a lot of intellectual cap capabilities we have this innate spiritual attributes in our and then we are so spe special in the eyes of God. We all are equally special. As human beings, we are like this one. We are family, right? It's like our, what do you call it? The human organ system. If one of the organs is affected, the even it leads to problem in other organs too. So we cannot neglect. If I have a minor injury in my toe, it will affect my whole thing, right? Yeah. So it's very important. So this has been a, a really rich conversation. It's been helpful to hear these different examples of Baha'i educational endeavors in, in Zambia and in, in India. And we can see that there are a lot of similarities in the, the principles that are being expressed in action. And so we can see at the heart of all of this is this vision of the oneness of humanity um, and this vision of building a, a, a material and spiritually prosperous world that everybody is contributing to and everybody is benefiting from. And really seeing these two dimensions of progress, the individual um, development of a human being being so connected to the collective development of, of a community. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time to share your insights, your reflections, and, and these, these beautiful stories and examples of how Baha'i educational endeavors are, are assisting communities to foster the progress of, of different processes of community life. Thank you so much. Thank you, Elisa, for inviting us. And thank you, Alex, for sharing the knowledge. You're listening to the Baha'i World News Service, reporting on major developments and endeavors of the global Baha'i community. For more information, visit news.bahai.org.